Hello, everyone. Incredibly, we are on the last daf of Meseches Chagiga. Meseches Chagiga started. We thought it was going to be an easy learning, but it got more difficult as we went along. But Baruch Hashem, we were able to go through the entire Mesechta with our unique approach, Halacha Lamasa, and we're not going to disappoint today as well. I'm going to try to deal with three halacha lamasa issues that come out of this daf, even though we don't even have an entire amud of Chav Zion. And hopefully we'll end with something positive as we conclude Meseches Chagiga. The Shulchan Aruch in Yeridea, in discussing the halachas of Tefilas Kalim, Simon Kuf Chav, relates to this daf. This daf brings us back to the Beis HaMikdash, to the Mishkan, discussing the utensils, the kalim that would require tefillah. The issues came up, the issue comes up specifically in, on our daf, surrounding the Shalash Regalim, when more people had access to the kalim of the Beis HaMikdash. There was, as we pointed out last time, a temporary suspension of some of these halachas for the masses of Amaratzim who were there. You look into Tosfos, includes Kohanim as well, who may have not been experts, but still would have access to Duchen, to do other things in the Beis HaMikdash. And the Gemaris goes out of its way to point out how the Shulchan would be protected. And then the question comes up, whether a shulchan should even require tefillah because it's made from wood. But then we see that it actually is layered with metal. This discussion finds its way into the shulchan Aruch, as we pointed out. We know that there's a doraisa requirement, a Torah requirement to do tefillah with metal that was purchased from a non-Jew. Glass has to be tovedal's way. It's really a drabana. And then you have klecheres, which shouldn't require it. But what happens if the klecheres, the pottery, china, let's say, in our situation, has a glaze on top of it, a glass glaze? Well, what happens if you have what's being discussed in the Shulchan Aruch and in the Ramah, a wooden kiddush cup that is layered with silver? Is it defined by what's inside, or is it defined by what's outside? We're not going to go through all the halachas now, but this is the context for discussion. And you have many different opinions even today. I was trained in Hilchas Tzvilas Kalim by Rabbi uh, Moshe Tendler from Muncie, the son-in-law of Rabbi Moshe. I remember the first day of the shir, many of us were young marrieds. He asked how many of you took the china to the mikvah, and many of us raised our hands, and he had a bit of a laugh with us for schlepping it there. He explained to us, based on a teaching from his father-in-law, Reb Moshe, that china, even with a glaze on top, would not require tefillah. If you go through some of the different opinions in Ashkenazic and Sephardic Psak, you'll find different views, some even suggesting that it would require tefillah, but without a bracha. Some of it may depend on how thick 
the glazes. Is the glaze done from the inside or from the outside? So there are many specific halachos that come up. Many will refer us back to Shulchan Aruch Yardea Kovchaf, and then you have to look into the works of the contemporary poskim, and you have different kashrus agencies that have different opinions. So this, again, seems to be something that belongs in the base Hamigdash, but is very relevant to our own homes. We have an agreement between Rabbi Yochan and Rish Lakish. Very often they argue with each other, as great brother-in-laws will do, but they argue, of course, always L'shem Shemayim. And the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochan and Rish Lakish, we know that the Mizbeach plays a role in the bringing of karbanos that contribute to the kapara of human beings. I always say contribute because there obviously has to be a process of tshuva in place as well. But now we don't have the Mizbeach, so what are we left with? Achshav shulchano shal adam The table of people could serve as a source of atonement, if used properly. It's interesting that it's the Mizbeach that matches up with the Shulchan, not the Shulchan with the Shulchan. Now Rashi says, how is the Shulchan Mechaper? In the positive, Rashi says, by welcoming in guests. The Rav points out in Abraham's journey how Hachnasas Zorachim is even greater than Sadaka because there's an equality. So assuming that you treat Archim the way we have to treat Archim, there's no higher status because we invite guests that are wealthy as well. And assuming that everyone's treated in the same way, it's even more dignity for an Ani to invite for a meal than giving a check, etc. I saw in the Ben Ishchai, the Haggadah, the Ben Ishchai, I saw the Silver Pesach that he says when we say, Kol that's the ideal. And Moschitim became a way, uh, secondary fulfillment. But always the ideal way would be well in advance, way before you say that the Seder is to take care of Aniyam in your home on Pesach. There's a lot to say about this, just the use of the table. The Asei Tov we pointed out, and we'll come back to it, there's also the Sur Meira. If you look at Rashi, Parshas Kedoshim, on Lo Selech Rachel Mamecha, maybe the longest Rashi that we have, where he talks about the danger of Rachilas, particularly at a table, of eating people for a meal, which is a way of saying that we should focus on positive talk at the table, not to be silent, but to do Asay Tov, to speak Torah, to speak well about others, etc. But I wanted to bring in a fascinating Aruch HaShulchan on this Gemara. The Aruch HaShulchan brings down a minhag, and I'm going to trace this minhag for you to our Rabbeinu Bachya. The Aruch HaShulchan says, Aron. That there was such a minhag, he says, from Svartic countries, and we're going to be able to trace this to the Rabbeinu Bachya, who, of course, was the Godador of Spain after the Rashba, it's a great Talmud of the Rashba, that there was a practice that they would bury people who were known in the community 
as being uh, very welcoming to others, they'd be buried in their table. The dining room table was used in the Aram. There's even an old Yiddish joke, which we wouldn't call it a joke, because the Heber Kedisha would come to a home and say, we have good news and bad news. The good news is you're going to get a new dining room table. It's a way of trying to break the, the news to the Mishbacha, Rachman al-Islan. But this is where the tradition comes from. And if you look at the Rabbeinu Bachi in Parshas Truma, and it goes back to our Gemara as well as Gemara in Brachas, Nundal Amabez, that Hamarech Ashokhana Maricholo Yamav. And he says, quoting this Gemara, Bismash Besamikdash Kayam Adam Ischaper Ayyidam is Bech, Akshav Shain Besamikdash Kayam Adam Ischaper Ayyidam Hashokhan. And he quotes it from Minaga Hasidim of France. This is way before Hasidus. Sha'osami Shokhanam Aron Lakvura. They would use the wood of a table where they fed Aniyam for burial. Lahoros ki adam la yisam uma biadav la yaluna ba malo kiim hatstaka shasabachayev hatova shumetiv al shulchano. Because nothing that we have in this world really stays with us. What goes with us are the good deeds. And what could be greater than a table that was used, we would say today, for writing checks on the table? and even the higher level of being Machnise Orchem. Now, we have a phenomenal edition of the Rabbeinu Bachia from Rabbi Chevelle, and he brings in the footnotes, he quotes from the Sifse Kohen, who says that the acronym of Shulchan, the Rashi Tevis of Shulchan, is Shamor Lekvura Chesed Nidivosecha. Save for your burial are the kindness of your generosity. So here we are, the last daf. Mesechus Chagiga, bringing it again, taking halachas of the Beis Hamikdash of the Mishkan right into our home, into our table. The first piece we we're dealing with Tfilas Kalim in the home, and now we're dealing with the Shulchan. We'll have one more piece to say about the Shulchan and connect it to the end of Mesechus Chagiga. We're going to end the study of Mesechus Chagiga that we've learned together for the last six and a half months with an incredible teaching. Also based on this Gemara of the Mizbeach, today the Shulchan bringing peace, is a halacha that's brought down in the Beis Yosef or Chayim Simon Kuf Pei. This halacha that the Beis Yosef quotes in the name of the Rokeach, Simon Shinlamid Beis, is a practice, a minhag, to mechasin sakin b'shas birchas hamazon, I'd be excited to hear from some of you whether you grew up with such a practice or have such a practice of removing the knives or covering the knives from the table during Birchas Hamazah. It's based on a Pasuk Devarim Chav Zayin Hey, connects back to Al Gemara that there should not be on a Mizbeach, which is meant to be a medium for peace, a weapon or metal that could be used as a weapon. That's the classic understanding based on a mechilta, Yud Aleph, Osches, that's brought down by the Beis Yosef. And the Beis Yosef says, V'sholchan k'mizbeach, as stated in Chagiga, Chaf Zayin, Amit Aleph. Happens to be the Yarech HaSholchan, who brings down this minhag as well, says this is not the minhag anymore of covering the knives or removing knives. The Mishnah Baruch says it is a minhag, Shulchan Archarav says it is a minhuk. Like to hear what you have to say. And the base Yosef goes on to quote 
Rishonim who felt this minhag was a valid practice. He quotes from the Abu Draham, and he quotes from the Shibale Aleke. But now it gets really exciting. Reason number one, classic reason, Mizbeach, peace, kapara, no metal, no knife on a Mizbeach. Interesting question whether one could have a plastic knife on a Mizbeach. I saw Shlomo Zalman discuss this, some others as well. But let's stick to the metal. And then he quotes a second reason from Shibale Aleka. And I'm going to connect this. This week is uh, the anniversary, the Hebrew anniversary of the reunification of Yerushalayim, Yom Yerushalayim. The Shibale Aleka, it says, there was someone named Hachover Rebbe Simcha. Shamati Tamacher. So he says, I heard from my Chavah Rabbi Simcha another reason. There was a person, unnamed person, that while he was benching, he came to Bona Yerushalayim, he remembered the destruction. He didn't see the destruction, but he was so moved by it, he took the knife and he stuck it into his chest and he killed himself. And therefore, the time of the bracha, we take it away. According to the first reason, you would take it away during Birchas Hamazon, because it's true, a table may be a mizbech, but you need a knife in order to eat that the Mishnah Baruch already deals with. What exactly is this story? Now, this story finds its way throughout our tradition. The second story brought down from the Shibale Aleket, from his Chavar Simcha, of some person who stabbed himself. It's brought in the Taz, the Mishnah Brewer brings it down. What exactly is going on over here? Now, before I answer that question, the Shulchan Aruch, who brings this halacha down as well, without the reasoning, says, no, Hagim, we have the practice of covering this, the knife during Berchus HaMazim, but Nahagu Shalolo and we don't cover it during Shabbos or Yom Tov. Why not cover it during Shabbos or Yom Tov? Whether you go with reason number one or reason number two. So the Mugin Avram explains, more or less you see the same explanation in many Achronim, that Shabbos is a time of peace. And therefore, no one's going to, if you take the second reason, it's going to get so worked up, even about the Chorban, because we're in tranquility. And if you take the first reason, it's not a weapon. A knife on Shabbos is a clee for good. We don't invoke the weapon idea. Some say even on Shabbos we'd be strict. The Shari Tshuva says the following. But what's going on with this second reason? Is there really a concern that during Boni Yishalayim someone's going to be crazy and stab themselves? So I remembered hearing this many years ago from Rabbi Schachter when uh, a certain time we were studying with him up in Boston. And I called him this morning when I came across this Beis Yosef again, and I asked him to explain it to me, the way he explained it back then, I wanted to make sure I remembered, and Baruch Hashem, it was the same exact way. He said what Chazal were trying to get across was that there was once someone out there, Abyssal Meshuggah, or very Meshuggah, but his love for Yerushalayim was so extant that one time it got so to his head and to his heart that he literally took the knife and he stabbed himself. 
And what I would add to that is not just because it says Bonei Yerushalayim, but if you look at the entire Birchas Hamazah, it's not talking about the food and the eating in our community only. It's the aspiration to eat the food in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim, or HaKodesh. What we've been studying this whole Maseches Chagiga, even this last parak, is not to be bogged down by the technical Tumat Tahara. We need to know these halachas because these should be halachas lemaisa, so that when we all get to ascend for Shavuos, Bizman HaMashiach, in the real way, in a packed kotel, and everyone should be healthy. So I thought it was just a beautiful way to conclude Maseches Chagiga. The big announcement that everyone is waiting for is what are we going to learn next? We're part of a program, Dafa Shavuot. I thank the great participants, all of the people from the shul and the Dafa Shavuot staff, administration, volunteers. I'm in touch with them often, and we're going to stay with the program and learn Maseches Yuvamas. It may sound intimidating, but we're going to conquer it. And so beautiful that the first year is going to be before Shavuos, Megillas Rus, Yuvamas, and Yibum, so central to the story. Thank you, everyone. Bezrat Hashem, at a certain point, will have a siyum. If anyone's interested in making the siyum, I know some of you already made a siyum. But if you want to make the siyum, either we'll do it virtually or when we get back together, keep steigen, keep learning. And thank you again for joining us.